It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, April 20th, 2022. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. In his annual address to the Alaska Legislature Tuesday, U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan expressed dissatisfaction with Interior Secretary Deb Holland, who is visiting the state this week. Now, I won't sugarcoat it. My relationship with Secretary Holland has been strained. I've called her numerous times, reminding her of her pledges that she gave me during our meetings before she was confirmed. I've let her know that many of the actions taken by the department under her leadership are hurting our people. Sullivan told legislators he was trying to take a different approach than he did in his speech last year, wherein he bashed President Biden for what he considers an anti-Alaska agenda. Instead, he planned to focus this year's address on matters he says all Alaskans can get behind. Today should be about where we can all work together. All of us, Democrats, Republicans, independents, on issues that we should focus on. And there are many of these issues that truly matter for our state, our future, and the wonderful people we are all privileged to represent. Legislators who were in the chamber for his address joined Sullivan in cheering the end of the federal mask mandate for air travel. At the conclusion of the speech, lawmakers gave Sullivan a standing ovation. But most of the issues Sullivan described as bipartisan, like Arctic oil development and roads across undeveloped federal land, have significant opposition. Several Democratic legislators purposely skipped the session. State Senator Tom Begich watched on TV from his office. I'm tired of, of listening to him attack Democrats when he takes that forum. And I, that, it's disrespectful. After Sullivan's address last year, Begich and other Democrats in the state Senate wrote him to say his speech demeaned their ideals and damaged the bipartisan cooperation many legislators strive for. After his speech, Sullivan told reporters he considers his Juneau address the most important speech he gives all year because it's his chance to connect with legislators. He also reiterated his support for Senator Lisa Murkowski's re-election, but declined to endorse any candidate in the crowded race for Alaska's U.S. House seat. You can watch Senator Sullivan's full speech before the Alaska State Legislator on our website at kcaw.org. Alaska Airlines announced Monday it is ending its mask requirement. In a press release, the airline said that effective immediately, masks are optional on Alaska Airline flights and in airports across the country. The decision came after a federal judge overturned the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's mask mandate for airplanes and other forms of public transportation. Last week, the federal transportation mask mandate was extended through May 3rd so that health officials could further study the new Omicron variant of COVID-19. Monday's decision makes that extension irrelevant. Recently, the CEOs of the country's major airlines had signed a request to President Joe Biden to drop the mandate. And the governors of 21 states, including Alaska Governor Mike Dunleavy, sued the federal government over the mandate. Alaska Airlines had a mask requirement for passengers for two years. The company's press release specifically addresses passengers who had been banned from flying on the airline for refusing to wear a mask, saying that some guests whose, quote, behavior was particularly egregious would remain banned even after the mask policy ended. Wrangell Island's two cemeteries are nearly at capacity and the community is looking for solutions. KSTK's Sage Smiley reports. About a mile down Zamovia Highway, the older of Wrangell's two cemeteries is almost full. Graves dating back to the 1800s spill out of the trees onto the manicured lawn between Heritage Harbor and City Park. 
On paper, there are four spaces for full casket burials in Memorial Cemetery, but borough officials have previously run into issues with seemingly vacant plots at Memorial Cemetery actually being taken as wooden grave markers rotted away over the years. At Wrangell's other newer cemetery, about half a mile further down the highway, there are only three plots available. So space on the ground in the two cemeteries is pretty thin. How to solve the space issues in the short term? Build up. Earlier this month, Wrangell's Assembly agreed to spend almost $58,000 to purchase and install a new structure to hold cremated remains and new memorial plaques, called a columbarium. As of earlier this month, there were only 17 spots left in Wrangell's sole columbarium and no space for memorial plaques. The new 10,000-pound structure will be located at the Sunset Garden Cemetery and will have 100 new cubby-like spots for cremated remains and 96 new spots for memorial plaques. Assemblymember Bob Dalrymple has lived in Wrangell for more than a decade. I think it's been discussed since I moved to town, so it's really good to see uh, a pretty creative solution there, at least to get us through uh, our current crunch. It's part of the first phase of a larger cemetery expansion in Wrangell. At its April 12th meeting, the Assembly also approved moving forward with expanding the Sunset Garden Cemetery's plots for casket burials. Under that new plan, 10 new burial plots will be added to the southwest corner of the cemetery, and 40 new plots will be added into what is now the parking lot. Public Works Director Tom Waiter told the Assembly that this first phase expansion will help tide the community over as it looks into more complicated cemetery expansion possibilities. Then if we moved into phase two, which would involve going back into the woods, would require a lot more permitting and and things like that, but we could get another 50 spots going back up into the woods. would require probably a little bit of a terraced approach to how it would be put in. Wrangell's borough clerk says there have been about three full casket burials in community cemeteries each year. And Waiter, the public works director, says that some past years had seen as many as 15 full casket burials within a year. Waiter says that it's important to keep thinking ahead and not lose steam on expanding the cemetery after this first phase expansion. If we did have, God forbid, a bad year and, and lots of people pass away or anything like that, Uh, We don't want to be in the same position five years from now, um, out of space, or ten years from now, whatever the case may be. If uh, to be forward thinking, to consider phase two, you know, with enough time for the ground and everything to settle appropriately, to to be able to put caskets and things in the ground. As cemetery expansion gets underway and the new columbarium is set up, borough clerk Kim Lane said limiting spot reservations will also be an important part of ensuring the longevity of Wrangell's burial grounds. We've seen in the past that um, somebody would reserve 12. I've seen somebody reserve 16 spots and um, they still have several available and they don't want to relinquish them. And so... um, I think if we control how many we let people reserve, I think that we can have a a better handle on this. At the Borough Assembly's next meeting on April 26th, Lane said she would be bringing a resolution to limit the number of possible spots that can be reserved in the cemetery expansion or columbarium to two per person, along with other possible revisions to the borough graveyard's rates and fees. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. A group of Good Samaritans recently attempted to save an abandoned baby sea otter pup on Kodiak Island. The effort brought together a collection of veterinarians, pilots, and biologists to try and help a young animal in distress. KMXT's Dylan Simard reports. Jeannie Friel was enjoying a recent Saturday morning walk on Calson Beach with her dog shortly before noon. 
and was unseasonably warm on April 9th in Kodiak. My little dachshund growled, and usually when she growls, it's I'm immediately looking for a bear. Um, but she ran out in front of me and stopped at this little furry pile on the beach, and it moved, and I called her back and went up, and there was this little sea otter. Otters on the beach are not uncommon. Often they are mature and sometimes lifeless. She knew right away that something was amiss with the young animal. There was no visible blood or injury, but the otter was listless, and its mom was nowhere in sight. Friel called her friend, who in turn contacted Shunak tribal biologist Matt Van Dale. He directed her to call the stranding hotline for the Alaska Sea Life Center, while he notified members of a Kodiak response team. The Sea Life Center greenlighted the recovery less than two hours later, and Van Dale was on his way. There are a lot of cases in which folks will see a, a sea otter pop on the beach, and it's it's completely normal. The mom just left it there and she's going to come back for it. The Sea Life Center gets many calls that describe that situation. In the overwhelming majority of cases, the mother is off hunting and the baby will be just fine. But occasionally, sea otter mothers will abandon pups that are sickly or have a middling chance of survival. When I got there on the scene, was able to see that it was a very, very small pup. And this was a, you know, she was right up in the the rack line of the, the high tide. And there was something wrong. The pup was lethargic when Vandale arrived, and ravens and eagles were harassing it. At this point, the mother had been away for hours and was unlikely to return. The recovery team swaddled the female pup and brought her to a vet clinic in town. The Sea Life Center in Seward agreed to admit her. Alaskan Airlines was contacted to fly her out, and a flight was arranged for Sunday morning. In the meantime, Vandale and his team were caring for the sea otter, now named Kelsey, at the clinic, its first in a decade. She started really perking up, perking up a lot. We were, we were very, very hopeful and optimistic. And then, you know, about four or five in the morning, just started getting kind of lethargic. We're thinking, oh, you know, maybe maybe she's just finally relaxing and sleeping it off. Vandale left at midnight and returned the next morning to bring Kelsey to the jet for her flight to Anchorage. We saw, um, I think it was probably in association with a softball tournament, but, you know, a school bus pulled up and, you know, all the kids got out and... Uh, so we we went and had a chat with the air cargo folks, and like, hey, you know, maybe you could have the the pilot make an announcement that they're sharing the the flight with a very special passenger and to send her some some good vibes because you know the flight is the most stressful part. So, yeah, that was that was nice. But it wasn't to be. Kelsey did not survive the one-hour flight. What ultimately killed her is unknown, though a necropsy has been ordered. There is a positive side to the story. The system in place for this rescue couldn't have worked any better than it did. Coordinating air transport, veterinary care, or rescue team getting approval for the rescue, these aren't things that can typically be done on three hours' notice. While most apparent strandings are simply sea otter mothers leaving their babies alone to secure a meal, that doesn't mean that people shouldn't report them. In Kodiak, I'm Dylan Simard. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News.